KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In-Depth. The list of businesses that are allowed to stay open during the shutdown is very short, but some of the people deemed essential are those who take care of animals at rescue centers. I'm here at the Providence Animal Center, where they depend on the hundreds of volunteers who can no longer come in to help. They also depend on fundraisers that have been postponed. I am recording just to get some sound in here. Oh, okay. I always tell people I'm recording, <laughs> just so, and if you're uncomfortable, just let me know. Okay. Can we, can we look at the first one? Yeah, please. Oh my goodness, you are talking it, baby. Hi. Okay, this is working. All right. So I'm just going to say. Sure. Justina Calgiano, Director of Advancement and Public Relations for Providence Animal Center. So. What kind of, I mean, I'm going to note that when we came in, we sanitized and we're probably not sitting quite six feet yeah. apart, but we are We are trying to keep our space here, which I'm yelling into the microphone because usually I'd be a lot closer. Right. Um, so how is this affecting your operations? So right now, Providence Animal Center is operating by appointment, and that's all new to us. You know, normally our appointments are just reserved for foster pets in foster homes, and if you wanted to see a dog or a cat in the cattery or in the kennels, you could just walk right in. Um, come in anytime during our open hours. It's pretty different than other pet rescues, the way that they're set up, which has always been traditionally an appointment only, you know, theory. But now we're moving toward kind of what the rest of the crew does in, in animal rescue. So it's so different for us because usually we want to encourage people to come to our campus because, you know, you're here. It's gorgeous. It's like a very serene, lovely place to be. We have community programs where you can rent a dog for a day where you can read to the dogs and cats. So having this kind of keeping our doors locked, doing an appointment only, is hard for us. It's like so different than how we have, um, you know, the, what we've kind of put out to the community up until now. Yeah, I noticed when we walked in, we, we started to follow the signs to the adoption center, right. which, is, which is where I thought you were, and then it pointed us back around here. Yes, right. So it's all it's all new. It's all different. I know that's probably the way a lot of businesses who are essential, like us, are operating as well, just a little bit different. But we're trying to kind of obviously respect the rules and guidelines that have put, been put out there, but maintain our primary goals, which are adoption and pet services as well. So adoptions are appointment only. Our vet services, which we offer to the community at a low cost, they are curbside right now. So you would come with your pet at an appointment time you've already booked, and then um, the text would come out to your car, and then the animal would be brought inside, but the owner would actually stay in the car. We would take payment over the phone. Again, it's all so different. We're used to being so much more interactive, but we still need to get this service to people who need it. So right now we're working on you know essential appointments for the vet care. So if it's uh, rabies, for example, if an animal is due for rabies, that's obviously required by law. So we want to make sure they're still getting it. We, off, we offer um, life-saving surgeries in our vet department, which means if your dog or cat has swallowed something like hair ties, we saw that last week. 
um, we are still doing those surgeries at a fraction of the cost. We had a woman come to us who lost her job in a restaurant and she could only afford $150 for the cat exploratory surgery. And we, we didn't want that to stop her from getting a life-saving surgery. So we accepted that and had the surgery performed, which was a life-saving surgery for her pet. And we realized people are up against some really, really, you know, tough odds right now and finances are dwindling and that's really hard and it's really upsetting, but pets are family. And so we're trying to keep the family intact right now. But how do you do that? So, uh, because I, I'm guessing that you've kind of taken a financial hit as well. Can you tell me how this has affected you? Oh yeah. It's affected us greatly and it's um, it's something that we're aware it's affected so many people. I think we're grateful to still just be open right now in some capacity. So I do want to say that first and foremost. But, um, you know, we're paying, a, we have over 70 staff members that we pay. They're not all full-time. And um, we have over 200 volunteers that we've asked to not come in. And that's been really hard for us too. But right now we are usually, we bring in around $200,000 in the spring because of fundraising events we've had to postpone. So those are operational dollars that um, we're not sure where they're going to come from. So it's it's um, getting creative. It's moving things online, you know, having more interactive, maybe online auctions, and maybe people make a donation to participate in a puppy yoga class online, if you will. So it's getting creative, and um, we've seen people still be really supportive, which is amazing to us when we put the message out about these hours being changed and um, our curbside wellness services. They said, what do you need? You know, and that was um, really, really amazing to me because I, I didn't think I'd get that response. And so people are asking, you know, how they can still help. So, of course, the main ways people can help are um, fostering our pets. Right now there is a huge push for fostering because people are at home. So why not bring a pet into your home for a temporary period of time and give him a break from the shelter life, which is really hard on dogs in particular. That's got to be, too, financially for you helpful when people take animals home just to foster them. Absolutely. So, you know, those dogs and cats that are being taken out of the center, it is the responsible responsibility of the foster to take on the food cost. But the medical care we still will absolutely incur. Um, but it is. I mean, the cost of care of cleaning up after cats and dogs, you know, the labor that goes into that, the food, it's a lot. So to be able to take them off site has, has been a big relief. I can't imagine how, if you have 200 volunteers that you normally rely on, how are you doing it without them? That's a lot of people. It's a tremendous amount of people. So a lot of times these people are the ones who come in to photograph our pets. So, so we are taking to our, cam you know, our phone cameras much more than we used to. Um, it's our dog trotters who run our dogs through our running program. So since some of the staff have... Um, their time has been readjusted, you know, to maybe they're not helping so many dog customers coming in when we had the open door policy. So the, the tasks that the volunteers were doing are now kind of being reallocated to staff in some ways. Um, and our, you know, our staff, our volunteers rather, were kind of like unpaid staff members. So it's kind of just a reallocation of jobs and um, trying to keep the people who work for Providence Animal Center, you know, to keep their jobs as much as possible. It's definitely a primary concern of the leadership team of the board of directors here. Um, people have committed their life to animal welfare, and we're doing our best to try to maintain that as, as long as possible. Uh, how long can you maintain this? How long can you operate if this these closures, I mean, right now the governor has extended 
the closures until April 6th, schools closed. So, you know, we don't really have any idea when this is going to end. How long can you keep this up? Yeah, it's a good question. We're looking at it in two-week increments. So, you know, the last two weeks we met about, we're committed to paying our staff through those first, you know, tumultuous two weeks. And then we'll meet again soon in the near future to talk about the next two weeks. But in the meantime, we've been coming up with task lists for the folks who, you know, did certain jobs that they can't do anymore and getting creative with ways that we can still help the center and the animals. Um, Our business team, for example, has moved off-site almost predominantly. So working from home and is it reaching out to the community and asking them for support? Maybe it's a telethon. But we still want to respect that people are struggling too. So there are, there are lines that we, need to, um, that we need to draw in terms of asking for support. But, of course, we, we need it too, but we also know that everybody else is struggling. That's tough. It's really tough. How many animals do you have here? Um, we usually try to have anywhere between 150 to 200 so right now we're probably around 130 to 140. And then how can, so how can people help? What do you need the most? So I think the obvious question to what we need the most is monetary donations. Um, it is helping to you know, support the care of the animals and helping to pay the staff who are caring for the animals, of course. And um, you know, we have a commitment to still taking animals from shelters where they're needed. So that's a predominant number of the animals that come into our center are from high-risk shelters where they wouldn't make it, where they would be euthanized for space. So in the past two weeks, we have, or past week, excuse me, we've taken on two extreme medical cases from Act Philly of dogs who needed um, extensive life-saving surgeries that cost thousands of dollars. So it's probably not the greatest time to do that, but when an animal is in need, you know, we can't turn our backs on that pet. So um, these are, these are, you know, this is where the support will go when people send in their donations. So it's going to help these life-saving surgeries, these pets in need that would um, automatically be euthanized, especially in the current climate. You know, I mean, shelters, they're cutting back. So the first thing they're going to do, um, a high-risk shelter, that is, is say, I can't afford to care for that dog who has an, infect, you know, an infected fracture on her leg, which is one of the dogs that we've taken in. Um, so knowing that their support is going to help a pet who wouldn't make it, I think, is, is really, really special. And if money isn't something people can give, then they can um, send items from our Amazon wish list because we can't take physical items right now. We normally love taking things like gently used sheets, towels, peanut butter, you name it. But we've moved the items that we need online, and so they can mail them to us. Um, and fostering. Fostering is really, really big. So if you have room in your home for a cat or a dog, or a puppy, or a kitten, because we have them too, then please consider signing up online. It's a quick, easy process, and it's something that will make the difference for the people and the pets at the center, as well as for that pet that they're bringing into their home. How is your staff doing? You know, we have, um, we've been taking the animals out more, because the vol- we usually relied on the volunteers to get the dogs out three times a day, and, and you name it. So I think constantly looking at what you're here for, your purpose. It's to see that dog or cat and look him in the eye. Um, there's been a lot more hands-on interactions, and I think that's helping keep morale high. We've tried to do some more doggy play groups, and that's always fun to see the dogs romp around and play and just be dogs. And that's, that's, uh, that's a big morale boost as well. I mean, I would just think, because the stress, you know, you're trying to keep operating, you're trying to keep your staff employed, and so they've got to be, that's got to be, they've got to be aware of that about, you know, and then on the other side, you're trying to take care of these animals Mm -hmm. too. 
Yeah, it's interesting because we deal with compassion fatigue on a daily basis. And so right now it's probably through the roof because you're dealing with your own stress, right? And then um, these poor animals have gone through, you know, who knows what they've gone through. And and a lot of us work in the animal field because we're very compassionate. So we can feel what they've been through. So we're carrying a pretty heavy load right now. Um, But I think the most important thing is that we're staying connected to the team and we're trying to make accommodations for them. And, um, you know, we have people who are working off-site, and people have told us that it's, it can be stressful to just be kind of isolated and lose that interaction. So we're scheduling 20-minute, you know, cat cuddle sessions, if you will. So we are just trying to listen to and provide resources to our, our team as we navigate through this. It's a crazy world, isn't it? I mean, everything's <laughs> been turned upside down and sideways. It is. It is. And I think that we, uh, we just hope that we can you know, get through this and look at what um, lessons we learned. And I think for me, you know, I, um, I oversee our fundraising events, for example. So it's, is it possibly reducing expenses by doing so much um, events that maybe we move more things online where it's more interactive and more people can be involved? So I think I'm trying to look at the silver lining, and I think that's something that we're trying to pass on to our team as, as well. And um, we have a, a lot of the business offices working from home, so I think that they're enjoying their pets, um, you know, more than they get to when they're, you know, when they're stuck in the business office. So that's one good thing. Um, so there's a lot of co-working companions that they get to have in uh, four-legged form. So that's pretty cool. So tell me one more time. So your biggest fundraiser, it's coming up on May 1st, right? Yeah, we actually, so there's two spring fundraisers that we have because we always like to make things <laughs> extra challenging <laughs> here. So we have a historic luncheon we've always done, and that's on April 19th, which we've postponed. And our big event, which is kind of uh, very gala-like, was on May 2nd, and we're postponing both of those to the fall. So collectively, they brought in over $200,000 last year, and that was our goal for this year as well, to receive that between mid April and early May. Um, And again, you know, our events are purely to keep our operations going. So um, we have to find creative ways to um, to keep the the money coming in the door to care for the pets. So one thing we're going to do is move to an online auction during the time frame where we would have had the events. So we'll have really great items, including baskets of cheer, (laughs) which I would think some people out there might might like. Um, And we're going to consider even doing personal delivery, maybe with some puppies, um, so people can still get interaction with our pets if they can't come here because maybe they're not in the market to adopt. Right. How many people are usually involved in those fundraisers? Do you know, like, tick, I don't know, ticket sales? We, or yeah. How do you- so our, um, our luncheon has sold over 250 tickets historically, and same with the Gimme Shelter event. It's usually around 200 to 250. So it could be upwards of 500 people that um, won't be able to attend in the spring and we hope that they'll join us in the fall but we also can understand that everything is probably going to be postponed so they'll probably have to prioritize their events and let's hope that people are up for going out in groups (laughs) or or maybe they'll i mean have you had people contacting i'm going to think that when you do that you probably have some pretty regular regulars who come every year have you had people reaching out to you and saying whatever, I'm going to give you this money anyway, or how can I help? You know, it's great. We did start our outreach um, very recently. And because some of these are longtime attendees, like you said, especially for the luncheon, which has been historic. And we haven't had anyone say, well, I'd like a refund, which I think is very telling and and really nice to see that our supporters, they're understanding that their support is being directed in the best way possible. 
And if they can't attend, you know, they're saying, well, consider it a donation. So I think that's probably the best outcome you could have with an event that has been postponed. Um, so yeah, we're hoping for the best. We're looking forward to the fall. But it's so hard to not really know what things are going to look like in the future. Um, but we, we hope that September, October, November is far enough away that um, we can get back to, you know, getting excited about things and celebrating and um, supporting the pets who need them the most. Yeah, I think, I mean, most nonprofits don't have huge cushions to fall back on. No, no, we definitely don't. I will say that we um, we were blessed by a, a few bequests that we recently received of people, some people we knew, some people we didn't, who left money in their will to our pets. So, um so that is, that's tremendous. And that's something that we know that if we need to, you know, we have a little bit of that money in the bank. Um, and those are people who passed on and left a legacy and didn't even realize how important and impactful it would be right now. Keep you going. Right. Justina, thank you so much. We really appreciate thank your you. time and good luck with everything. Thank you. Let's we hope those it. events are on <laughs> in, a few, in a few months. <laughs> yes, let's hope so. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon.